0: and there's a much better glide for the skaters on the ice because you're able to control the quality of the water that actually turns into ice and it's uh, it's been a a great win for all of us
1: welcome to the sports business radio podcast i'm your host brian Berger. you can find the sports business radio podcast over 14 years 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like mark cuban David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at sb radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. Excited to have Luke Robitaille, the president of the LA Kings, on the show. The Kings, AEG, had a big announcement this week, and we're going to discuss that with them. It's really going to revolutionize how ice is made in hockey arenas throughout the world. So I like this kind of stuff and uh, excited to talk to Luke Robitaille, talk some hockey. It's not often that we talk NHL on this show. So uh he played 19 years in the NHL, which is phenomenal, uh, named... One of the 100 greatest NHL players ever uh, last year in 2017. So excited to have Luke Robitaille on the show this year. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, maybe one of the biggest stories in the 14 years that we've been doing this show this week. It's going to change so many things. The U.S. Supreme Court has struck down a federal anti-sports gambling law, giving states the go-ahead to allow betting on sports. I don't even know where to begin here, but it's going to change so many things, starting with the TV ratings, right, and digital ratings and rights fees, because now there's no quote unquote dog games. If you have money on a game, I mean, there's going to be degenerates out there betting on everything from college sports to WNBA games to lacrosse to Major League Soccer. If you can get it on some platform somewhere and someone can watch it, they're probably going to bet on it. Well, think of
2: the, uh, you know, I think of like the Fan Duels and these guys right now. I mean, they're probably salivating like, can we be the platform? Can we be the guy, right. the place where everybody comes to push their money? I mean, just think about when this announcement came down, how much I just thought about all this money changing. Instantly, it's like all these guys are like, let's go. Right. Let me put
1: it on this, 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 this. It's billions and billions of dollars that we're talking about. And we could do a whole show on this. But, I mean, just think about this. You've got parlors and places where people go into in Europe to place bets on football games. Now, you're going to have apps. So imagine sitting at anything from an NBA game and an NFL game to a minor league baseball game to a college sports game to a WNBA game. You have an app on your phone, whether it's through a company like MGM Grand Sports, or it's a FanDuel DraftKings type of app where there's already thousands and thousands of users on there who have been doing fantasy sports, or is it an app that we haven't even seen yet that many companies have had in the works for a long time as this law has been rumored, you're going to be able to bet on your app. So the ease of betting is going to be super simple the amount of money that's going to be bet because you don't have to go to Las Vegas. You don't have to go to New Jersey to place a bet. You don't have to bet on an offshore account. That money is going to go through the roof. So the content, the games themselves are going to become even more important. We've seen leagues say they want like a 1% integrity fee to maintain the integrity of the game. It's going to require more monitoring of the officials and knowing Matchups with officials and analytics and all of these types of trends that are going to need to be watched. I think it's going to impact the NCAA greatly on two levels. One, if you're a college athlete and you think you should be paid and you're not being paid and someone comes to you with an enormous amount of money and says, hey, miss a field goal, miss a free throw, do something to impact the outcome of the game. You don't think that that player is not going to Listen to that conversation. And I know, I know people are going to say, oh, this is already taking place. I think it's more widespread now after this. And how can the NCAA after this ruling continue to say that we're amateur athletes (laughs) when billions of dollars more are going to be bet on college athletics? The rights fees are going to be even higher because... Degenerate gamblers are going to be watching games more than they've ever watched before. You're going to see, like, D3 games being bet on by degenerate gamblers on their apps. So the ripple effect on this is crazy. Even, you know, we had our friend Doug Lauder from Boingo on last week. Good interview if you missed that, talking about 5G and connectivity at facilities. If you're a facility now, anywhere in the world, and you host a sporting event, you have no excuse to not be connected. Because most of the people that are going to be sitting in the stands watching the games, they're going to want to place a bet. And it's either going to be a bet before the game, during the game when there's micro-wagering. Imagine the day when, hey, it's the fourth quarter, your team's down 10 points. Here are the odds on them staging a comeback. You can bet on that from your app on your phone. So connectivity, it's it's, it's not a we might need it, Maybe we should have it. You're going to have to have it going forward in this new world. So uh, that and then the last thing is Vegas. You know, Griggs, do you think people are more likely or less likely to go to Vegas now? Because it used to be I've done this. You know, you meet your buddies in Vegas for March Madness or Super Bowl. You sit around in the sports book and you play some bets on games. Because I'm not someone who had the offshore accounts or anything like that. But now, if you can do that conveniently from the app on your phone, are you going to get on a plane and go to Vegas and sit in the sports book? So is it going to hurt Vegas as far as people coming to Vegas or New Jersey to place bets in person? That's going to be another part of what this all means.
2: Yeah, I think you're right on that too because why why leave the house? You know why? Why keep your shorts so on convenient. Sit there? Yeah, right. so convenient. And I think you hit on something there in the last couple of minutes about the uh the real-time betting, like the change because it's not going to be like, "Oh, I got a bet before the game and then it's over." right You can do it, "Oh, fourth quarter, here's another bet I can do based on the score, based on whatever's happening." It's going to be these real-time betting, which is going to be crazy. I mean, it's just I think the potential for uh for the betting industry is is enormous on this because there's just so many avenues with the with the convenience of the app and you can bet wherever you want. It doesn't matter.
1: Well, and again, I think the companies that create the most widespread, easiest to use apps first are going to be the real winners here. Yeah. Is it going to be FanDuel and DraftKings? Because they already have, you know, they always say in business, fish where the fish are, where if you're FanDuel or DraftKings, you already have tens of thousands of users that you can say, okay, look, now we have an app that allows you to bet legally on US sporting events. So you were betting on sports fantasy, but while we have your money in an account, why don't you spend some of it on this? If you're MGM Grand Sportsbook or Caesars Palace or whoever, and people can set up an online app to bet, now they can do it via your app. So whoever creates the best apps, the easiest to use, the most widespread, those are the people that are going to make a killing on this. I think, again, anyone producing content, whether it's TV, or digital around live sporting events, that all increases now because people are going to want to watch those. And I I think, again, even minor leagues, even D3 colleges, even women's sports, people are going to bet on anything and everything if they can, and it's convenient. So now people are going to want to watch that somewhere, on TV, on Twitter, online, and those content deals are, are going to get made. So uh, we're far away from this becoming mainstream, though, Griggs, because right now it's a state-by-state, state, so it's kind of like the marijuana deal, mm-hmm. right? It's a state-by-state, state, not federally uniform thing. I know Adam Silver with the NBA, the NFL, they'd like to see... Federal mandates on this, or not mandates, but you know, it's a uniform thing federally, and then states can opt in or not opt in, but the rules are the same for everyone. I don't think the leagues want a state by state, let's figure this out with different rules in each state as they go along. They'd rather see it more uniform than that. So I think we're a few years away from that getting worked out, but in the meantime, if you're a tech company, an app company, someone who is going to create content for all of these sporting events, you've got a little bit of time to get to work on that. I think –
2: another key point you hit on a couple times too is the engagement of fans now because oh. you're going to be watching i mean you know you if, if you have money on something you're more interested in it because yes. you've got your livelihood or fantasy on it. right I fantasy, mean, even too, fantasy it's like you're going to have people watching sports to the end you're going to have people watching you know d3 and women's call right. troops and all this stuff because they've got a 100 grand on it or they've got 10 grand or whatever yeah. it is i think that is a benefit for obviously the tv networks and twitter and facebook who are going to be broadcasting these games because
1: people are going to be watching stuff that normally wasn't watched. I mean, I've gone to Vegas with friends who have bet on WNBA. Right. And I don't say that to slight WNBA, but I say, you know, do you really know enough about the WNBA to be able to confidently place a wager on something, or are you just doing it because it's there? Because there's that crowd, right? There's Mm -hmm. the crowd that's going to go, you know what? I don't know anything about this. It's a 50-50 proposition, but I'm going to take this WNBA team over that WNBA team just because it's going to keep me occupied for the next three hours as I sit and watch the game. So there's going to be that element, too. So we'll do more on this. It's going to be a fluid story. But like I said, in the 14 years we've been doing this show, I don't know that there's a story that has more of a widespread impact across several different things that we just outlined than this story. Uh, another headline this week. Michigan State University has settled hundreds of lawsuits, 332, by the way, against, uh, survivors of Dr. Nassar at Michigan State. So the settlement is going to cost the school $500 million. The school's going to pay $425 million now, and they're going to hold $75 million in reserve on, uh, in case other Nassar victims come forward. Griggs, believe it or not, I don't think this is enough. $500 million. So it comes out to about $1.3 million per Uh, survivor of the 332 women, and then $75 held for anyone else who comes forward. To me, can you really put a price tag on someone who went through something like that? I have a daughter. If she went through something like that, there's no amount of money that you could pay her that would make that okay. And I know... You know, you can't take this away and some people will say, well, look at they were pretty swift in how they stepped up and paid this and 500 million is more than ever been paid for something like this before. But to me, the real problem here is this. You have these women who have been abused they're never going to get over this they're going to need counseling for the rest of their lives you've impacted their relationships with other people for the rest of their life and their trust in doctors and men and so many other things so you can't erase the damage that's been done the other thing is anyone who was at michigan state when this took place and i'm talking to you tom Izzo, and you mark antonio the football and the basketball coach they need to be fired Okay, the president resigned, the athletic director resigned, anyone who was there when this went on, and I don't care if it's a women's softball coach, volleyball coach, anyone who had any inkling that Dr. Nassar was doing this needs to be out. It needs to be systematic change. And here's the last point on this, Griggs. Penn State was fined $60 million, they were given a four-year postseason ban, they had scholarship reductions, and they had to vacate victories for Jerry Sandusky and all the horrible things he did. But when it comes down to it, Griggs, there were only less than a handful of cases of Sandusky abuse that took place on the Penn State campus. This is 332 cases we're talking about that we know of today with Dr. Nassar. How in God's name does the NCAA not at least punish Penn State as harshly as they did, or Michigan State as harshly as they did Penn State? Don't you have to at least give Michigan State that same penalty? If not worse, you have five or so people who were abused on the Penn State campus by Sandusky, 332 by Dr. Nassar. I don't know. I'm not a math major, but that's a lot more abuse. And I think the penalty should be much more harsh for Michigan State than it was for Penn State. So those are my gripes on that whole thing. I don't know if you've got any no, I agree. I mean, the, the whole thing's just disgusting
2: and disturbing, so it's hard to even fathom what these people have gone through, and, and the um, the amount, 332 people. And like you said, too, with that many cases, obviously there's other people there that knew a stump, stump was going on. Right. You can't cover it up 332 it's times. It's
1: systematic yeah. loss of control. I mean, the NCAA talks about loss of institutional control. Right. Have we ever seen anything that resembles more of a loss of institutional control than this? And. You can't tell me that the coaches, especially the football and the basketball coach, Izzo and D'Antonio, who are gods on these campuses, that they had no idea this was going on. Give me a break. Give me a break. Get them out of there. And give Michigan State at least the same penalty that you gave to Penn State. You know, this is paying off the victims. So this is the university side of things. This isn't the athletic side of things. But to me... The solution is far from over at Michigan State. This isn't enough. So if they think, oh, we're going to do this and this should all just go away, turn the page. Look what we did. Pat ourselves on the back. BS. I'm not, I'm not going for that. All right. <laughs> Another headline this week. This has been a busy week, Griggs. Robinson Cano plays for the Seattle Mariners, suspended 80 games by Major League Baseball for banned substance. He's going to lose about $11 million. He makes $240 million just from the Mariners, 10-year, $24 million a year. So, Griggs, here's the deal. The risk was worth the reward. I'm going to make $240 million, but I'm going to have to take away 11 or $12 million of that $240 million. So by cheating, it got me the big pot of gold. And if I have to pay a commission or a VIG on my cheating... 11 or $12 million, then it was worth it. And I think it's almost a joke to me. Yes, it's great they're suspending him for 80 games. Yes, this is one of the biggest names that's been suspended in the last several years. So good for Major League Baseball. But I don't think this discourages cheating one bit, especially by superstars like a Robinson Cano. Now, what it does do to him is his efforts to get into the Hall of Fame and be called one of the all-time greats. That's done. He's going to be looked at the same way as Bonds and Clemens and the rest of them, Griggs. It's just sad to me. I mean,
2: I'm not obviously an athlete. I I don't live on that extreme of money in my (laughs) bank account all the time. But it's like, why do you get to that point? I don't understand what gets you to to that point. It's it's disturbing to me. I don't understand it.
1: Well, it's ego and it's money, right? Again, if someone says to you, if you don't cheat, you can make $100 $100 million. Yeah. But if you do cheat, you can make $240 million. Most people do the math and they True. go, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. Yeah. And you know, he didn't fight this either. No. So he, like, I'm going to start my suspension immediately. <laughs> if you're innocent, if you're looking at your legacy and your reputation, you're going to fight this thing tooth and nail and yeah. say, you know what? This isn't what I put in my body or I thought I was doing something else that wasn't cheating. Like, you're going to be much more vehement about denying this. Like, even go, even though he turned out to be a liar, go Lance Armstrong on this, right? And, and fight it for a while. But he didn't do that. So his reputation is staying forever. And he only loses 11 or 12 million dollars out of the 240 million deal that he signed with the Mariners. All right. NBA playoffs, Griggs, as of this recording, The Celtics, up two games to nothing on the Cavs. Has Brad Stevens cracked the code on LeBron? (laughs) I mean, you can say he has, but he hasn't really. LeBron had a triple-double with a 40-point game in Game 2. LeBron's still doing his thing. The problem is none of his teammates outside of Kevin Love are helping him. This has been the story with the Cavs for years. I think you're seeing the final days of LeBron James in a Cavs uniform, as I've been saying, for a long time. Cavs got the eighth pick. In the draft, it's not really going to help them. It's not going no. to be enough to keep LeBron around. It's not like that's going to be a transcendent player that they're going to get there. Um, so I think we're watching the end of LeBron in Cleveland forever unfold before our eyes. What Boston is doing is remarkable because usually there's a rite of passage in the NBA. You have to lose a few years before you get to the big stage like the NBA Finals. Boston lost Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. And this young team is probably going to make it to the NBA Finals. And if you look at a year from now, they're going to have Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving back. Holy cow. You want to talk about a plethora of talent on that roster? Danny Ainge has the cupboard stored for years and years to come with young talent. And I think they're going to turn into Golden State East in the the Eastern Conference, but you know you can't underestimate the culture that Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge have built in Boston, the players that they've gotten who have bought into that system, and they play as a collective. They don't play as one or two, or you don't see iso ball with them. You see team defense and team offense, and it's actually really fun to watch. Golden State went into Houston, one game one. I said that series would be over in five before it started. Uh, as Charles Barkley said, it may be over in three even though there's four (laughs) games. (laughs) I think it's going to be a quick series, and I think Golden State is just so good. And when Kevin Durant's making shots like he did the other night, I mean, playoff KD, wow. I mean, the last two years, you can look at what KD's done in the playoffs, and you can go, I don't know that there's been a player in the history of the league that's done what he's done in the playoffs during the same two year stretch. The NBA draft lottery the Suns have the number one pick Sacramento Kings two, Atlanta Hawks three. So Suns had the best chance of getting that top pick it held out. Uh, Kings and Hawks snuck in there into that top three. Grizzlies who were slotted at two went back to four so they were the big losers in that deal. That's what you get when you tank it's a risk, right? <laughs> sometimes you're going to hold your spot. Sometimes you're going to drop back. And really, as I see it, there's some nice players in this draft, but there's two major impactful players. It's uh Aiton, the kid from DeAndre Aiton from Arizona, and then it's Donchick, the kid from overseas, who looks like a young James Harden. He's 19 years old. He's seasoned. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there, but they've got a month to figure that out. All right, Griggs. Next week, we are going to be in New York. You're coming with me. Yes. Sports PR Summit at the Players' Tribune. Michael Vick, David Fisdale, the head coach of the Knicks, who I'll be on stage interviewing. We've got Jamel Hill from ESPN. We've got some amazing people that are coming in from the Players' Tribune. Um, so if you want to follow that conversation, go to at Sports PR Summit on Twitter or at Sports PR Summit on Instagram, I'll also be tweeting stuff out at SB Radio, but it's gonna be fun and you and I will be backstage. We'll be getting people as they come through. So we'll bring that podcast to you, uh, what is it, the week after? Memorial Day. Yeah, so right after Memorial Day, we'll put that podcast out, but we'll have some fun conversations backstage at Sports PR Summit. This is the first year you're going to Sports PR yes. Summit, so I'm excited to have you there. it's yep. your birthday. It is the actual event is my birthday. Yeah, so which is we got, awesome. yeah, we got to celebrate the uh, <laughs> birthday. You and I always love going to New York. Oh yeah, it's great.
2: And I'm excited this time because the last two times have been kind of a day, day and a half for me, quick right. trips. Yeah, this one we actually get like four days there, so I can kind of you know look at it, look over the city a little little bit more. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: All right, coming up next, Luke Robitaille, the president of the L.A. Kings. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., Today's sports fans expect strong, fast, mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is Luke Robitaille. He is the president of the Los Angeles Kings. He played 19 seasons in the NHL, 14 with the Kings. He won a Stanley Cup with the Detroit Red Wings. Highest scoring left winger in NHL history. In 2017, he was named one of the 100 greatest NHL players ever. He was named the president of the LA Kings about a year ago. Luke, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So I went to Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles, not far from uh, where you guys used to play at the Great Western Forum, and uh, you know have followed the Kings franchise for a long time. I know today is a big day with a business announcement. We'll get to that in a second. But just reflecting on your career for a moment, such uh, an established career, an amazing career. You have a statue in front of the Staples Center. When you were playing... Did you look towards the day and say, you know, I want to work in the front office of the Kings or an NHL team? Was that even a thought in your head when you were a player?
0: No, not really. You know, you just play the game and, uh, you know, you're a kid, you're shooting pucks against the wall and you're practicing and then next thing you know, you you have a shot of maybe turning pro. So I think your first thing is like, you know, uh, okay, I got to keep improving every day. I want to stay here. This seems like a lot of fun. So... Never thought what would happen after my career, you know, when I, I I started. And even the whole time I was playing, it was all about the next game.
1: So, how did, when did you first say, you know, this might be interesting to work on the business side of an NHL franchise?
0: I think uh, towards the end of my career, you know, I was always intrigued and uh, interested in the way some, some franchise had a different feel than others. I was fortunate to play with the Rangers and. Play uh, for Detroit too, and uh, really liked the way they treated people and the way they went about their about their business and the kind of culture they had. So I started being more interested on the the way to maybe uh, manage uh, a franchise. You know, everyone at franchise is so different. And uh, and then uh, towards the end of my career, we had a lockout that lasted a year, so that gave me an opportunity to start preparing myself for retirement.
1: You did something about a year ago, uh, right after you took the president position with the Kings, you wrote an open letter to the fans, and I read it, and I really like how you outlined your vision and where you thought the organization needed to go. There's not a lot of people in your position who, A, have the clarity and vision, and then B, outline that to the fans, and, and I thought that was really great. Did you get some good response from that letter?
0: Yeah. I mean, this was something that we, we feel uh, in the Kings organization that our fans have been riding this roller coaster ride for 50 years with us. Uh, it took us, uh, I think it was like 45 years to to win our first cup. And, uh, and then before that, though, for about six or seven years, we made sure they understood that we were on a rebuild and we were going with young guys and so forth. So we felt last year was important to communicate with them again what we were going to do for the next few years and how we're going to get back. You know, you never know if you're going to win a championship, but get back to the caliber that's now expected out of us.
1: So in the first round of the playoffs, I don't want to bring up something sore, but the Las Vegas oh, Golden right. Knights, they they beat you guys, and they're the story in the NHL for sure, and one of the bigger stories in sports, 500 to 1 odds at the beginning of the year, an expansion franchise, and now they're on the verge of of potentially winning it all, does that make it harder? Now, do your owners come to all the teams and go, look, this is what they did in year one. You guys should be doing this. Does That kind of raises the stakes, doesn't it?
0: I was going, what's wrong with you guys? You exactly.
1: Guys
0: <laughs> no, I think, uh, wow, I didn't know those odds were 500 to 1. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I You know, at the end of the day, everybody knows that uh, they, the expansion draft was... Uh, was set up different than it was uh, in the 80s and 90s and 2000 when the new teams came. Uh, Gary Bettman made it like uh, made sure that everyone understood that they wanted to have a competitive team. I don't think anyone thought they would they would get over 100 points and they would be in the, in a semifinal or in a, in the in the conference finals. You know, uh, but that being said, you know they if you look at their roster. I think they got 18 or 19 players that were drafted and are in the first or second round over the last, you know, six, seven, eight years in the NHL. So that just tells you they got a lot of talented players. And, you know, George McPhee did a great job in positioning himself and making a few few good moves. And then they, he he hired the right coach. And it played. it's been amazing. It's an incredible story.
1: Yeah, it really is. I think people who don't follow the NHL very closely don't realize – just what an incredible story it is. I know I've been following it for sure. All right. You guys made a big announcement today. You formed a joint venture with Blue Eco Technology Group. Uh, you know, I'll give you some background. I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers of the NBA, And in our arena, the Moda Center in Portland, the Portland Winterhawks play. I'm sure you've heard of them. Yep. Oh, yeah. I played my my, uh, Memorial Cup there. Okay. So, (laughs) you know, one of the things when I worked there is every once in a while, I'd be like, hey, can you let me on the ice to, like spray the ice like I want to be the guy sitting there with the hose you know if it's been a long day like let me just do something where I can go out there and 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 make ice and I always was interested in the process of going from an NBA basketball court to making ice for hockey so I've got a little bit of knowledge in this area but you guys have joined Blue Eco Technology Group and I really think you're going to revolutionize how ice is made in hockey facilities around the world tell us about this announcement today
0: yeah i mean for us uh for the the la kings to have the partnership with blue eco was uh was is something that we started discussing a couple years ago when we we met the uh, scott morris of uh, their 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 president ceo and then we uh we looked into it and then uh, the first thing is uh, you know when when he presented us with uh, what they were doing is uh, we realized that uh, you know having a drought in, in California at the time and everybody was talking about it that uh, on their on their, their system you you basically take the uh, humidity out of the air inside the building you create water out of it and uh, right away we were like, wow, what a great story that could be! But then we realized there was so much more to it. Where you you save a ton of energy because you're not you don't have to crank up your system, uh, whether it's your your chillers or or the the um, the air conditioner or so forth in the building. And then uh, and then out of it we get this uh, this pure water that we're able to 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 use to make the ice. And then and then, because there's no humidity inside the building, you know, for anyone that grew up on the, on the East Coast knows that uh, if you were out in the snow and it's a little bit humid, the this, this, this snow would just pack up. And right now what's happening when the building is really dry, the, it just stays as powder on the ice, so the puck glides better. And there's a much better glide for the skaters on the ice because you're able to control the quality of the water that actually turns into ice. And it's... Uh, it's been a, a great win for all of us. Too. Uh, we, we've tried it this year. It's been a big success, and now we're really excited for the next few years.
1: So, yeah, like you just mentioned, the Blue Eco LCT system was piloted at Staples Center during yep. the LA Kings last season. Did any of the players or coaches on opposing teams say, I noticed a difference with the quality of the ice?
0: Yeah, it was funny. We started uh, about like, when we started two years ago. We tried to we uh, AG manager the arena in San Diego, and we used the water there. And right away, their team and the coach there uh, came called us back and said they never skated on the ice that good over there. Wow! And then so so right away, that convinced us that we should bring it to Staples Center. The difference was we installed the full system inside the Staples Center. And then, uh, you know, in the NHL, the way it works is the referees give you ratings on the ice now, and the referees' ratings have been tremendous, uh, you know, all year. And then what happened is towards the end of the year, we started just randomly asking our players, say, so, what do you feel about the ice? How, how is it? And they were like, yeah, it's been really good. Like, uh, <laughs> And the way it is is sometimes you don't want to bring it up because they'll find something, but instead they came to us and told us there was a big difference on the ice and they felt the biggest thing for them is they felt more glide and more consistency. Because you got to remember, Staples Center is one of the busiest arena in the world. So we always, you know, we have two basketball teams and all the concerts. So it's, there's always something going on in the building. And we are covering the ice, you know, almost every couple nights. So it's, it makes it really hard to keep the ice the way it should be every day. So... From that standpoint, it's been a huge win for us.
1: So, again, we saw you guys use it this past season. How soon might we see this across the NHL?
0: Uh, Right now we're working with the NHL. Uh, This is a big part of their green initiative. And, uh, you know, Gary was uh, involved with us today. We were talking with him, and uh, we're already starting to talk. I mean, uh, not when I mean. We were, like, personally, I'll talk to some general managers and owners because, first of all, the store is great because you can save a lot of money. So so it's, that's always the first, the first page you want to open when you're right. talking with them. But at the same time, everyone wants to have good ice because they know we're all investing in our players and we want them to be better. But at the same time, from a league standpoint, if the ice surface can be the same night in and night out, it's just going to be a huge win for the future. Like uh, watching the Tampa Bay-Washington series right now, the the opening of the broadcast, they're constantly talking about the humidity of the air and the ice surface, how soft it is, and it's been a struggle in both buildings. So with that system, what that will do, that will eliminate all these uh, these side uh, sidetracked, uh, you know, event that whether it's humid outside or raining or, or really hot outside, it won't matter because you're going to be able to keep the same temperature inside and the same level of uh, humidity.
1: Well, and as you pointed out earlier, whether you're in Los Angeles or Tampa Bay, you have to crank up the chiller when you're in a city yeah. where it's warm and humid. And it costs more money for the arena operator. Plus, you know, I've been in the bowels of the arena before, and you see these chillers, and sometimes these things break down, and they don't have long lives. So this system, the Blue Eco LCT system, I would imagine has a a greater lifespan and is much more efficient than kind of the previous generation that we've seen before.
0: Yeah, we actually... Funny enough, it's funny you mention it. We turned down, we actually turned off at one of the chiller at Staples Center, and the other ones we turned them both down. I think that's I think the and it's been, you know, so that you know, the guy is really happy is the manager of the arena. He can't believe the way the amount of money saving, the amount <laughs> yeah. of energy saving. And the funny thing, how you're saying, how we, we, you know, we cool down the buildings, especially when it's warm outside or, or, or it's raining, you know, so. Uh, at Staples Center, don't ask me why we always think that like cold air goes down, but for some reason the way the ventilation is, it was going up. So wherever our GM sitting in a press box, it was super cold, So we had to have heaters and a a winter jacket. And towards the end of the year, they were like, wait a minute, we don't need this anymore. This is amazing. That's (laughs) remarkable. We knew it was working. Our GM was very happy. At the same time, I think it made our our fans very happy that we didn't have to start the game at 58 degrees inside the building. so They could come and just wear like a, a normal shirt and don't have to wear like a jacket.
1: Well, I'll tell you, we, we love talking about innovative technologies on this show. And this, when I read this, I was like, wow, this is something that could go widespread, not a, only in the NHL, but across the world. I mean, think of all the hockey facilities across the world that A, want to save money, and B, want better quality of ice. You could be solving those two problems.
0: Yeah, and you got to remember, it's not only just for buildings with ice. I mean, it could be any building that you're cranking up the air conditioner or you have humidity. I mean you 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 put in a big warehouse, you're gonna suck a lot of water out of that humidity and you could create your own water and at the same time save a lot of money. So I know Blue Eco is pushing that that there it's gonna be even for NBA arenas and so forth. I mean the 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 savings are so so big that I think everyone's gonna wanna get involved. And at the same time, who wouldn't want to create their own water that they they can use whether it's to water their plants or you know, I know I know Scott, our will say he's drinking it. He hasn't made me drink it yet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I know they've been helping. I think they were in Puerto Rico. They were creating water for some of the people there. They wow. were in Houston. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it, it's really a great invention.
1: No, that's terrific. So you've been on the job now as president for about a year. Some of the biggest lessons and takeaways that you've learned, uh, you know, really overseeing the entire organization now of the Kings. Mm-hmm got to be patient <laughs> yeah it's you know, hard in sports isn't
0: it you got to be patient you got to have a plan stick to the plan and uh you know you look at the teams that are still playing now uh you look at winnipeg and uh you look at tampa bay and same with the with the caps and uh, and uh, vegas a little bit different but all those teams have been built through the draft so you got to make sure you 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 get uh you're patient in the draft you get your your kids and you develop them and uh and then when the time's right, you're able to make a move, but you can't get impatient because uh, it can hit you. And then if you make a couple mistakes, it can hurt you for a long time.
1: Well, it's interesting with the caps; they've been knocking on the door for a long time. And you know, you talk about patience; they could have like pulled the plug on that uh, several yeah. times and said, "You know what? We're not getting over the hump. We're going to blow this thing up and, and start over." But they have been patient, and now it looks like it's paying off.
0: Yeah, Mister Leons is a real smart man. And he knows he's got some great assets. You know, you got a player like Alex Ovechkin, no matter what. I mean, it's very hard to win the Cup. Only one team out of 31 now can win it. But if you can compete for it every year, it certainly makes it fun and, you know, it gives you hope. And so I think with the players they've had over the last 10 years, they've always had a shot. It's, unfortunately, they haven't been there yet, but, you know, they're getting closer now.
1: We talk about alignment in sports a lot, and I always talk about owner, GM, coach star player do we see the same in hockey is it the same you look at like i'll use the example of the cleveland cavaliers lebron james if you have one superstar on a team you can be competitive how many superstars and what kind of alignment do you need on an nhl team
0: in hockey i would say i'm not you know it's hard you can't have seven superstar but you need seven great players you need a couple centers you need a couple defensemen. We call it 30-minute defensemen. You need uh, one or two uh, game-breakers, wingers that can kind of open a game with one shot, and you got to have the goalie. So if you have those guys, you're able to build around them and and uh, and you know have a shot at it every year. Now of that, if you can have a real number one center stud and a a. Uh, a top defenseman. Like if you can have a top ten defenseman in the league that's a superstar, usually you'll have a shot at it every year.
1: So I went to Loyola Marymount as I mentioned earlier, you know, I watched Gretzky. You played with him. What was he like and, and is there anyone since him that you've looked at? Is it Sidney Crosby or someone else and you go, he's on par with Gretzky or was Gretzky truly the, the greatest of all time? I
0: think Gretzky was the greatest of all time. I mean, it's not even close. He scored 92 goals one year. I don't think we'll ever see that again. And when players were getting 100 to 125 points like today, he came in one year and did 200. I mean, Mario Lemieux was probably the closest to Wayne. They were both at that special level. Unfortunately for Mario, he had to deal with a lot of injuries over his career, so that kind of slowed him down. I would say, you know this this new era Sidney crosby is probably is not as big of a point getter but character wise he's a very very special player he's carried the league now for over 10 years he's he's amazing but this this new kid conor mcdavid is is phenomenal i mean he's worth the price of admission every day He's he's the one guy that you know could break some of those records hmm. because of his speed and his talent. It's it's ab- absolutely incredible to watch him play.
1: You were pretty darn good in your day too. I mentioned earlier, nineteen years when you show up at Staples Center to watch Kings games and you walk in and you see a statue of yourself. What does that mean to you? Oh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean,
0: I don't know. It's, you know, it is. It's like you you don't play for any of this. Well, and sure. Happens. It kind of it kind of feels weird to look and just see that it's there. <laughs> it's almost borderline uncomfortable. It, it is a great honor, though. That being said, you know, being in Los Angeles with all those great players, and whether it's Jerry West or Magic, it's uh, it's an honor that you know you never expect, and or you just. It just happens, and I, th- I think you know. Sometimes I, I'm very humble about it because of the the, the the people I'm with.
1: Well, I appreciate your time today, and when I get down to L.A. next, I, I've had Jeannie Buss on this show and, and others. So uh, I'd love to stop by and and say hello and meet you in person. But uh, great announcement! I really like what you're doing with uh, Blue Eco, and I think it's going to revolutionize how hockey ice is made, and it's going to be really great. So congratulations on that big and announcement. People can go on Twitter to at L.A. Kings for more information. There's a press release that's out. We'll also put it out on our Twitter feed at SB Radio. Luke Robitaille, president of the L.A. Kings, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Okay, thank you. We'll see you. And let us know when you come in L.A. We'd love to have you at the game.
1: I will definitely look you up, and I'd love to come see a Kings game. It's been way too long. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is brought to you by MKTG. MKTG is a leading global lifestyle and marketing agency with 33 offices in 19 countries, including sports centers of excellence in New York, Paris, Madrid, Melbourne, and Tokyo. MKTG specializes in delivering strategic business-oriented marketing solutions for leading brands via sport and entertainment marketing, live experiences, retail marketing, hospitality, B2B engagement, and sponsorship marketing. Visit the MKTG website at mktg.com and review their insightful findings as part of their Decoding 2.0 study. Decoding 2.0 solidifies the need for a shift in thinking when selecting and marketing sport and lifestyle sponsorships. This unique study arms brand marketers with the quantitative data they need to specifically target those consumers most open to brand messaging and sponsorship, as well as provides a specific roadmap that identifies those tactics likely to produce the most receptive fans. Until now, the sponsorship industry has focused more on fan passion and avidity to identify sponsorships and develop activation strategies. Decoding 2.0 reveals the need to also understand the importance of fan receptivity. Follow MKTG on Twitter at MKTG. We'll bring MKTG's expertise to life during future segments on Sports Business Radio, so stay tuned for those. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our sports business radio roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at MKTG. You can find them on Twitter at MKTG. Their website is mktg.com. They're a global lifestyle marketing agency, 33 offices in 19 countries, a leading sports sponsorship and activation agency. Make sure to check them out at mktg.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in sports business radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on audio boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps and, of course, at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at SportsBusinessRadio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
2: Bringing you the names in sports business
1: without further ado we all know this gentleman let's give david stern a big round of applause let's welcome the president of the ncaa mark emmer give him a hand let's give a big hand to usc alum and co-owner of the lakers and president of the lakers jeannie buss thank you for having me what a nice turnout thank you so so much for having me brian it was very very kind and i really enjoyed it thank you sir sir charles how are you I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach, David Fizdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon, Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You ask great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure.
2: Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast.
1: Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
2: Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.